Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, everyone? Kevin Owens here talking a little overseas basketball. Welcome to the Matchup Zone. Uh, Our guest tonight is Tyler Hines. Now, Tyler is a uh, professional basketball player, played Germany, Cyprus, Macedonia. Uh, Tremendous player from South Jersey. Uh, Ended up, uh, you know, overseas. And we're going to talk a little overseas basketball with him tonight because, you know, that's what we do here in the Matchup Zone, talk a little overseas basketball. Tyler, welcome. Tyler, what's up? Sorry, that was my Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me. <laughs> awesome. So, Ty, uh, first off, before we kind of go into uh, the whole overseas basketball thing, wanted to kind of ask you a few questions. First off, you know, now that you're kind of, you know, you're back and forth playing back home, uh, just kind of tell me what, what you are working on now in terms of uh, your, your program, your basketball program that you're running, your foundation, things like that, just so, you know, the people can kind of, you know, get that little plug to, to kind of get it out there. Yeah, most definitely. Well, uh, just to start off, I, I, this fall, this past fall, um, so I'm, I'm not playing anymore. Um, I started a mentoring program, a mentoring leadership program in uh, Sickleville, Sickleville, New Jersey, called Just a Kid. And it's basically a small foundation I started up to uh, to get back to the kids. Uh, I'm dealing with a lot of youth men and right now, youth kids, youth boys right now. Uh, you know, teach them about the quality of good education, different life skills, and you know, just being like a big brother to all of them. Also, have a basketball academy in the area uh, called Team Hines. We do AAU, we do camps, summer programs, and also we just started a, a, our girls AAU team called Team Hines Lady Elite. And uh, do some training and a little bit of tutoring on the side too. So you know, little. And I'm basically with youth every day. That's awesome. I mean, it's it's so cool because especially you know someone of your stature to kind of come back and give something back to the community and help these kids. It's it's pretty incredible. Just I mean, I know coaching wise, it's it's the kids know that you you know the, especially the kids the older kids they kind of get that you you've been there like they're they're, they're going to take you seriously because you've done the things that you've done you've played you know college basketball uh you know maryland eastern shore and then you go overseas and play like the kids get that and i think that's that's awesome that you're you're able to give back to those kids yeah definitely it's a great opportunity that's what i just try to show kids and let them know I me mean, if i could do certain things they could do them too so you know all things are possible that's awesome. Now, kind of going into your career. So, you know, you come from, you know, Maryland Eastern Shore. And what was your process to become a professional basketball player? Because I think that's the question that a lot of people have. And 
that's the question I'm asked. Like, oh, I think a lot of even younger kids think like, oh, well, it's just going to magically happen. Suddenly I'm going to be a professional basketball player. And there's so much more that goes into it. So how did you get your start from college into the pro game? Yes, so, I mean, it was definitely uh, it was definitely something I always wanted. Um, I didn't really understand about European basketball or playing basketball overseas until I was about a sophomore and junior in college. My older brother, Kyle Hines, he's been playing in Europe for the last 11 years. And around the time I started learning the game, uh, European game, and as it started growing, he was playing in Bamberg, Germany. So I got a chance to visit him in Germany and got a chance to go to a game and all that. And I was like, man, this is amazing. You know, this is something I would definitely want to do. So, you know, from there, that was on my radar. So after my senior season, um, got invited to a couple of camps uh, with a couple of teams and stuff like that. Uh, nothing too serious, nothing in the NBA, but like just little small camps, Australia camp, another camp uh, for a lot of German teams. And uh, I did pretty well. And from there, I signed with an agent. Uh, my first agent I signed with out of college is actually kind of funny, is uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo's agent, current agent now. <laughs> That's uh, great. I knew Alex. And um, funny story about that, too. I had an offer to play in second division of Finland, and I had another offer to play in, I think, Poland. But, you know, it was – it was something that was kind of like weird, weird to me. So I never really didn't know anything about those countries. So my brother called me. He was like, "Hey, there's a team in Greece right now." Um, and he was playing at the, playing in Greece. And he was like, "There's a team in Greece right now that uh, they're looking for some players. And if you come out here and try out, you know, it's probably a slim to none chance that you'll make it because they they don't like first year guys out of college. So you know, if you come out here and do what you're supposed to do, you can make the team." So I went out there. You know, it was very tough. It was the first time I was playing against 35-year-olds. I was playing against uh, all type of ex-NBA players. Most Parker was on my team. Um, Jason Capono was there for a little bit. I'm trying to think who else. I'm playing against, like, guys I used to watch on TV, and I'm just like, wow, this is, this is insane. But, uh, and I played well, and then they, they ended up signing me. I got there in September. I ended up signing my first contract uh, with a team called Pedestetti in Greece in uh, October, and then, you know, the rest is history. That's great. So kind of going off into your, you know, the Greece experience, uh, because I think a lot of people are fascinated by Greece. I mean, I know every single woman wants to be taken to Greece by their man. That's like a big thing. So tell me kind of the, the culture. I mean, I know basketball, and we'll talk a little bit more about the culture of the basketball, but what was the culture like in Greece in terms of, you know, traditions, things like that? Uh, how, like, inundated. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay, I didn't hear the last part you said. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, just, the, you know, kind of the culture, like the culture of everything uh, overseas. Like, what was, wh- how, how you know, involved were you with the culture of, like, the Greek culture? Like, how often did you get out and explore and were able to see, you know, the beautiful sights over there? Oh, man, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, as soon as I got off the, the, the plane, 10-hour flight, it was nothing but high energy. Um, you know, Greeks, I, I really do love them because, you know, they really embrace Americans. Um, you know, it was my first time, my first country actually living in. So I, I got had a chance to really, you know, buy into their culture. Uh, I remember my first time driving on the highway, I was absolutely scared because I have – people going, you know, over 100 miles per hour, and you know, I had scooters and, and motorcycles going up, 
all going in and out of the streets and all that. And but it was high energy though, and and the culture is amazing. You know, you have all the you know the Greek mythology stuff. You have mm-hmm. the Greek gods. You have uh, the Parthenon. You have um, all the Greek uh, the Greek coliseums and all that. And I got a chance to see that all the time. And uh, just seeing like the old Olympic Stadium downtown. And then also, the, you know, the, just the basketball coach out there is amazing. You know, you have two of the best teams, two of the best European teams around. You have uh, Olympiagos and Pantanegos. And if mm-hmm. anybody doesn't know, I mean, that's like, that's like almost like a gang. Like, if you're Olympiagos fan, <laughs> you, you, you hate Pantanegos and vice versa. Like, some places around there, you can't even wear their team colors. It's really that serious. But, I mean, from the food to the tradition to the music, they have um, – their Greek music is called uh, – I can't think of the name right now, but they actually have, like, Greek clubs that you go to that just play their music. And, you know, it's just high energy. It's just so good. And I remember another experience that we went to. It was, a Greek, like, a little Greek uh, hangout spot mm-hmm. that they they throw flowers everywhere. So, you know, how you go to clubs and people go out and they buy drinks and all that. Like, it wasn't really that big. That's not what they did there. You know, you buy flowers and, you know, you toss them around everywhere. The more flowers you have, that's, that's the more money you have. That's the more money you have. So if you have, like, 10 dozen flowers, I mean, you're rich. So <laughs> that was pretty, pretty cool. You know, pretty. it was different, but it was pretty cool at the end of the day. It was, it was, it was kind of fun. So but I still I go back there at least once a year. I have a lot of friends, a lot of family. I, I build a good relationship with a lot of the higher-ups on the teams out there and, you know, it's my second home. I, I really love it out there. You know, a dream for me. I hope I can uh, try to get a, some property, maybe an apartment or condo or something out there. You know what's crazy? Because you saying that right now is uh, is something that I think a lot of the players end up thinking about. I mean, I you know, all the places that I played, I think about, I've never been back to any of them. I actually, when, when we were in college, we took a tour of France. And when I went back to France and we were in Paris, I went and, like, kind of walked the same trails we did. And that was as close okay. as I got. I've never been back to the, you know, Australia or any of the Korea, like any of these places I've never been back, but that's so cool that you are actually still so involved and still, you know, love that culture so much that you're still able to go back every year. I think that's like fascinating. And that's something that doesn't happen. I think a lot of guys are, you know, they're, they're going and then bouncing around and they just kind of like, you know, make their way back home and that's it. They're done traveling and things like that. So that's a really cool experience. Yeah, I try to work camps and stuff out there during the summer. Um, you know, a lot of the, the higher ups and you know a lot of the well-known basketball players like Billy Spinulas and uh, Theodore's Papas and all those type of guys. You know, they have big camps throughout the year and uh, try to go back and help out every once in a while. And even you know the Greek basketball players out there are just you know everybody sees Giannis Antetokounmpo and all the things that he's doing for Greece right now. Uh, mm-hmm. The crazy thing about that is that was actually my first professional game playing against him and his brother. Wow. And his brother were playing on a second division team called Faros. And it was like, <clears throat> it was an exhibition game for us. So we played against them. And I remember our coach was like, hey, man, next up, he's going to be this, he's going to be that. So it was, it was a good opportunity playing against them. What? How old was he? Like, how good was he at that age? Uh, was he, you know, NBA ready or was he still kind of developing? He was still developing. I mean, he was a high motor he was very long, tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really couldn't shoot the ball that well, but he was high motor, man. High motor, didn't take any breaks off, um, was dunking everything. 
but he was you could you could see the potential. You could see the potential was definitely there. But you know, once those he got into that NBA life and the NBA workouts, you know, he was gonna you know become what he is now. Yeah. So, yeah. So his brother team that looked past him. <laughs> True. I think the Sixers are one of those. So the oh, for sure. Uh, the uh, you know so his brother's still out there, kind of developing his game. Uh, do you foresee foresee like a, is the talk over in Greece that he's going to be on that level, or is he going to you know still make an impact but not be you know is he going to be the the Seth Curry to Steph Curry? Yeah, so I actually it's, it's funny that you said that. I, I was actually with him in December when I was out in Greece. I was at his game. And I uh, got a chance to talk to him for a little bit and, and go out to dinner and stuff with him. So I think more for him, you know, I think he wants to stay in Europe um, because he gets a chance. His brother's starting to take over the NBA and, you know, starting to be focused in that market. And I think he wants to be more hands-on in the European market. So, you know, that way they're killing two birds with one stone. So, That's I mean, awesome. He's, he's, yeah, but he's, I mean, he's doing well. He's playing for Pantanegos. So, um you know, he's, he's, him and his brother have similar games, but, you know, a little bit different, too. But they definitely – one thing about the both of them, you know, they definitely play with that high energy. They, they're very tough. You know, it's – and it's a funny kind of, you know, we're kind of, like, rambling on a little bit. Like, I'm kind of, like, going back to, like, certain things. And I think, like, it's crazy because I feel like guys like us, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot of developing players, like, especially the European guys. Like, I know – uh, when Valachunas was coming up, like we played them in, in Euroleague and they were like, he was just a big bruising kid, but he was skinny. He wasn't that, you know, wasn't, he was like strong, but he was like, like you said, high motor. And you can kind of tell you're like, and then you find out like, oh, wow. And like kind of the same with Steven Adams. Like you find, you see these kids when they're in their raw form and right. you now, now I'm sitting there being like, oh yeah, I played against him or I played against this guy, you know, when he was a kid. And he right. still kicked my ass out. <laughs> <laughs> basically, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, basically. But it was just, I, I try to tell kids now, man, you know, it's it's amazing what that round basketball could do for you. You know, if you really embrace mm-hmm. it and put the hard work in and, you know, and, and just just continue to work hard, I mean, so much that this game could do. And I never thought that being on basketball would be able to take me around the world and meet different people and play against certain people. I mean, I – one thing I could say now that I retired, I've got gotten a chance to play against some of the greatest competition around. Even though I didn't play in the NBA, I really got a chance to play in some of the you know greatest competition around in Europe and you know even in AAU and all that. And even my my first college game, my first college game was against Blake Griffin. You know I'm a, I'm a freshman. I'm a freshman. We just beat uh, we beat uh, Shawnee to go. I mean, see my senior year in high school, we beat Shawnee to go to the South Jersey semifinals. We beat Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And my last high school game, we play against. We play against. I think uh, I can't remember the team. Then you know, a couple months later, I'm playing against Blake Griffin, who's projected to go to you know, technical number one. So, like this is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. It's like so much. It's, and that you're you, what you just said. Just you know, it's amazing how this 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 little round ball can take you so many places, and it's it's so true, especially you know. And I think we have the good perspective because we've played so many places. Like, we've seen so many things. I know, like, a lot of guys who play in the NBA, and they're very, like, straight-minded. Like, they're like, this is the league. Like, I don't want to see anything else. They don't really understand. But the, the, the places and, like, the experiences that we have, I think that's why right. I started this podcast. Because I was like, this is just, there's just too much going on to kind of, like, tell the story. 
So right. kind of talking, talk, kind of talking about like the European style of basketball. I know, you know, Greece, Cyprus. Uh, there's a certain there's a certain style of basketball that's different that might not be the same style that's played here, or that's not even the same style that's played in maybe other countries. What was the Greek style of basketball like? What was the focus? What did they, you know, what was it that they really honed their skills on? Man, I would say everybody on my team could shoot. Like every, I didn't matter if you were seven foot, it didn't matter if you were seven two. Um, our big guy, uh, he was actually a young guy, his name was Yurgos Papianis. He got he ended up getting drafted to uh, the Sacramento Kings. He played in the NBA for a little bit. But mm-hmm. I wasn't really the best shooter growing up. And I'm seeing all these guys just being so skilled with their footwork to the way they're shooting the ball. You know, I was just a athlete and just a high-motor type of player. But I'm seeing all these guys being skilled. So that's – I remember my summer – my summer uh, – going back home, I was like, man, I really have to focus on my skill development. And, you know, during that whole entire season, a lot of the guys, they really had a chance to, you know, help me with a lot of my skills. And I would stay after and train with them and, you know, help me out with my jump shot. Yeah, I went from, you know, my first year to not shooting threes at all, to not really shooting any jump shots to my second year, to shooting threes, making them, having a pretty good percentage, um, you know, and just being able to expand my game a little bit. But I think the best thing about European basketball, I would say the pick and roll, man. There's so there's so many different pick and rolls and pick and pop situations and even certain things you could do in the post. It's the first time if I got the ball in the post in college, I have to have to move quick. I have to take like one hard dribble, a jab, and mm-hmm. go into the basket. You know, in Europe, you know, you could take four or five dribbles in the post uh-huh. and, 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 and and get away with it. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You know, it's about patience and stuff. So I think that's something that I learned that uh, that helped me out a lot, and I really embraced that game. Especially if you play with a good point guard, like you know, they, they just they were just killing it with, with pick and roll situations and, and and cutting to the basket and just just read it really re- making the right reads. Now, kind of going off, like what what were the you know you obviously played with a few Americans over there. Did you play with like American vets, or were they kind of like you know your age coming in? Were they like guys that were able to kind of help you adjust, or were they kind of on the same level as you? Like, hey, we're, I'm just I just got here. Like, what am I supposed to do here? Yeah, it was more guys like I have you know ex NBA guys, um, <clears throat> and, and guys that were like really a level ahead of me. Um, but as I got into like year four, year five for me, I see myself starting to be like that for the other players. And I'm still like that now. A lot of my guys that I play with, you know, I got a chance to mentor them and tell them, hey, you know, this is what you want to see. You know, even with life off the basketball court, they don't know when you come to Europe, you know, you need to pack at least four pair of basketball shoes because you're not going to be able to go to the mall and, you know, especially if you have big feet like us, you're not going to be able to go to the mall and find, you know, size 15, 16. You know, I remember – being in the supermarket, I didn't, you know, I called Kyle on the phone, my brother, a few times. I'm like, Kyle, man, I can't read none of this stuff. What should I do? He gave me advice on that. Even being able to pack the right plugs. You know, I had an Xbox my first year. I plugged mm-hmm. it in regular. My Xbox almost, you know, started smoking. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was going it was going crazy because, you know, we don't know in America and in Europe, you know, it's a different, you know, plugs and socket situations and electric waves and all that. So, you know, it was it was a lot, but one thing that helped me out so much was, of course, my brother being a veteran playing over there, but then also being around a lot of veteran guys. 
mm-hmm. and learn the game. So like from Smush Parker, Jason Capono to Peril uh, Antich uh, to Josh Powell that, you know, he played with the Lakers for three years, won mm-hmm. championships with Kobe. I still talk to him almost every day. Uh, AC Law, I, you know, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of different guys, and he, Jonathan Simmons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think who else, but it's a long list of guys that you know really helped me out, and you know, really helped helped me take my game to another level, but also prepared me for life on the court, but for life off the off the court. And they also prepared me for you know now now that I retire, like hey, you know, do this with your money, start you know looking mm-hmm. into this, start looking into that. So it was really good. That's, That's awesome. Things easier. Yeah. Now, the one thing, especially in Greece, the thing that you, you know, and you kind of hit on it earlier with in terms of, you know, Olympiacos, like, you know, the fan bases are are not at all friendly. Like, it's a, it's a life or death thing. So, how was that? I mean, were you ever in situations playing over there where there was a situation where you're like, is this going to be cool? Like, are, are we getting through this? What, what's exactly going to happen at this game? Man, I remember – I was in, I was playing in Macedonia, Serbia at the time, and my team was called KK Kumanovo, and we were going to play against a team I think in Albania. It was like the top Albanian team out there, and their fans were bananas. Fans were so crazy, like it was out of control. And walking into the game, like we had nets around us that you know people would throw if they threw things at you that you know it wouldn't hit you, it wouldn't you know it wouldn't touch you. But that was the first time I got spit on in my life. I wanted to go crazy, man. I, I really lost my cool, but my coach was like, you know, just you know, do what you got to do. But, you know, people throwing, you know, money, and not not, not the good money, talk, throwing coins at you to, <laughs> to you know, spitting on to saying certain things, to, you know, flares. I played in games where flares are getting shot at back and forth between each other, you know, fans by fans. The scariest thing was, we're playing a game in Greece, and it was a big rivalry game, Pedestetti versus or some I can't remember who the team we played against, but it was another team in Greece. And it was guys. I'm warming up before the game. I see guys at the top, the top, top of our arena, and they're, like, walking with guns. Like, not just the small baby guns. They're walking with, like, AK-47s back and forth, like, <laughs> patrolling. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I'm just from Sickleville, New Jersey. What is going on? <laughs> That's like, it's so nuts. Cause I think, you know, like I, I was in Kosovo for like kind of that Albanian culture and it was the same thing. Like we, we were playing in one game and the, the fans we were in their arena and they started banging on the, like breaking the glass that was like, you know, around the arena and then just tossing it onto the court. And I was like, what in the world? Like, you don't, yeah. these are things that people don't sign you up for. And especially like, exactly. and I think like even, you know, we're, we're big guys. We're like, you know, in order to play professional basketball, you have to have a le- level of mental toughness. You have to have a level, of, a level of toughness. You have to be a bigger guy. So, like, when you – there's nothing that's going to prepare you for someone spitting on you, and you have to just take it. Like, you, you can't – because that's the shitty thing about being, an, like, you know, the athlete is someone goes and spits on you, and they're not the ones that is, the story is going to be about. It's going to be about you attacking them after you're getting spit on. And that's like the yeah. worst thing as an athlete. Yeah, I tell people all the time, I was like, man, it's, I, the playing part was easy to me, but the mental part, you know, 
I, and I really didn't get homesick and all that that much, but as far as the, the, the stuff off the court you have to deal with sometimes, man, mm-hmm. like it really, really took me to another level and uh, really helped me out mentally. I really feel like I can <laughs> take on anything. At the end of my season in Greece, I came down on my teammate's foot and I tore my Achilles. Oh. And uh, I had to stay in the hospital. And, you know, my team paid for my surgery and all that, and I had to stay in the hospital. And that was my first time, like, being out the country. Mm-hmm. And not, not even being out the country, my time being in the hospital by myself. And I'm in not only in the hospital by myself, but people that don't speak the same ang- uh, language as me. And my mom's not there. My, you know, my, my, none of my family members are there. My brother was on the road, so he ended up flying in later. But, man, like, just going, having to go through that whole process alone, it was crazy. Well, that's kind of, you know, kind of jumping into the, the whole entire, like, off the court. And you talked about it, the mental strength that is needed to kind of uh, persevere through a long off season. So kind of talk to me about, like, walk me through, like, you know, the downtime that a professional basketball player would face. Uh, the, you know, you have 24 hours in a day. A lot of it's spent training. But then the downtime that you faced, were you a guy who went out and explored or were you a guy who was just like, dude, I just, like, I just need to, like, go back to the apartment and chill? Right. So I would say my first year, I think my first two months, my first two, three months, I was a homebody. I was like, man, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm trying to be the ultimate professional. Uh, I'm going to make sure I'm doing this, make sure I'm doing that. You know, I don't want to go out. You know, I, I shouldn't be hanging out with the veterans yet. I'm not there. But as I got comfortable, we started winning more games. You know, first time really making a little bit of money and all that. You know, you, you're like, wow, I'm actually in Greece. I'm not going back home tomorrow. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm around, so let me go out. So I started going out more, but not just to hang out and, you know, go out to clubs and, and all that, but I got a chance to go to different parts, uh, different parts of the island, um, got a chance to go to different museums and all that, and just see what the culture was about, try different foods, different restaurants. Um, one of my favorite things to do when I was out there was um, there's a place we used to play at in St. Florida, and it's like on the other side of, like, seaside of uh, of Athens, and I would drive my car up there, and it was, like, a huge, like, cliff where you can see, like, the whole skyline of, like, the water and, you know, the the back of Athens and all that. And I, sometimes I used to just park my, my car up there, and I used to just, just sit out there, you know, just listen to music and just embrace it. Like, wow, this is where I'm at right now. That's, that's like, you know, that, and I think that's – there's, like, something to be said because as you go and as you start growing, I think, you know, you see – yourself kind of being like, you know what, this is, this is the opportunity that I have. And at first you're kind of like getting used to it and adjusting. Now you're like, I want to see, like, I want to, I want to experience this. And like you said, you're, you're, you're there for a short period of time. So you might as well just embrace it. And these memories will be, you know, burned into you forever. And that's, that's like, that's cool. And even getting a chance to embrace like, you know, their holidays and culture, like something in Greece, you know, they, they just don't celebrate their birthdays. They celebrate something called name days, and that's like their, your holy name day. And, uh, you know, it's actually bigger than your birthday in Greece. So I got a chance to do that. Uh, Easter is really huge in Greece. So all my teammates, we all got together. And it's the first time I've seen, that, you know, cook a pig right in front of me. Like, a pig is, like, rotating around <laughs> over a fire. And I'm just sitting here like, what is going on? We're about to eat that? They're like, yeah. So <laughs> it was uh, really, really great, man, really great experience. I, I really wish I would have got more footage and 
kind of wish social media was a lot better back then. Uh huh. That I could have documented a lot more things. So I think about that all the time. Like, just do you know the social media presence too? Like, you know, you. you it's like, it's crazy how many people you can reach. And that's the thing people want to know. They want to know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, so like when you're snapping, you know, taking pictures and I was in the same boat as you, as you, like my last few years playing like Twitter was just becoming a thing like Facebook, like there was no like Snapchat, there was no Instagram. So like, that's, that's what the thing I wish, like I could have played in a different era. Cause these guys now who are playing have a good experience of terms of, I mean, it's good and bad, you know, dangerous social media, but like able to experience and show the world what exactly you're doing uh, as opposed to like, kind of like what what we have to do is like kind of use our memory to kind of like paint the picture because we don't really have the, you know, the, the, the social media back then, which is, uh, it's crazy, but I know it's, you know, social media is a little, a little dangerous too. I mean, you know, I'm sure I would pop off at the mouth every once in a while if I was pissed and <laughs> just throw yeah, something exactly. out on Twitter. Same, man, same. So <laughs> I, I I tell people like we uh we we actually got out of it at, at a good time because it could have been crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so so, we, we we missed that wave. We go. <laughs> so kind of like talking about more like, you know, specific to your team, uh was there something that you you know, your coaches uh, that that they did that you were unfamiliar with. I mean, you know, going through four years of, of you know Division One basketball, you know, going through four years of high school at a very top program, then you kind of go over there and like, is there anything that they did that was like you were like, what in the world is this? And did it help or did it not? <laughs> I, I think well, two crazy things that come to mind. First one is they would drink all the time, like drink. You win a game. There's, there's beer, there's all type of bottles on the bus that you have to drink. If you don't drink, you're considered a weirdo. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't much of a drinker growing up, you know, even, you know, I was playing even, even in college. So that was, like, kind of new to me. And they're not just, like, drinking, like, mixed drinks. Or they're drinking, like, Baca Street and, <laughs> and, and all types of crazy stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was wild. The second thing is I would – as soon as I, I walked in my first practice in Greece, I would see everybody come up to the coach and they would give him like a kind of like a double kiss, like that European, like double kiss, like mm-hmm. the, side, the side kiss, whatever like that. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and I was like, what is this about? And they, you know, the man, the managers pulled me to the side and he was like, Hey man, this is a part of our culture. This is what we do. This is how we greet our coach. You know, it's a sign of respect. So I thought it was so weird, but you know, going into like the first two weeks, it was weird to me, but then I embraced it. it was, no, it was nothing. And, um, no, it actually makes sense at the end of the day. It was like almost like a sign of respect for your elders. And uh, I was like, you know, I don't even like giving my coach a handshake in America. Like, I don't want to talk to my coach like that. Now I got to give my coach a double kiss. But, no, I I embraced it, and it makes sense. Now that I'm older, it makes sense now. So So between between those two things were were kind of different for me. You know, we we win a game, and, you know, everybody's on the bus getting drunk so <laughs> <laughs> so kind of talking about like the conditioning and things that you had to do uh you know the when the preseason I know is growing and I'm sure you know in, in I know it's most of Europe's like a one week or like one game a week and then the rest of the time it's practice you only play like 30 something games over there and then the rest of the time you're just practicing was 
that a new experience or did your coach do things a little differently or was it kind of like the typical European, you know, tough, hard-ass training camp where you're like, just want to bomb it? Yeah, man. Training camp was, was, was tough. But I think the reason why it was tough because I always did a very good job of staying in shape and being in shape. But mm-hmm. it was just that, you know, and not to talk bad about the European players. I love you guys to death. But <laughs> it was just that, you know, during the summer, you know, the European players, they don't really do much training. That's their downfall. Mm-hmm. So they really don't do much training. So they're usually just on the beach to, you know, lead the pack and be first in all the sprints. But then they're looking at you like you're showing off and being a certain type of way. So you have to kind of like, even, even with the veteran guys, like, you know, one veteran guy told me, he was like, man, you need to slow down. He's like, you got us looking bad. Like, you need to, you know, get get things together. <laughs> I, but I think preseason – the amount of preseason games that we played was outrageous. You know, you go from playing maybe twice a day sometimes and, you know, in certain situations in different tournaments mm-hmm. to, you know, now when the season starts, you're only playing once a week. So I was like, man, this is the easy part. And then practice, I really didn't mind practice. It was just that, you know, the first three or four months of practice, you know, you're going – you're having a hard practice in the morning. You're, you're definitely having a, a second tough practice. And that's not even including you lifting weights or you coming in to get extra work in. So, you know, from <clears throat> from the food being great and also all the practicing I was doing, I was losing muscle mass and I was getting real skinny. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I, uh, my dad came to visit me. He was like, man, he was like, you got to make sure you do your push-ups and all. You, you know, you're trying to lose some, 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 some muscle mass and some weight, but you know, it was good, but it was nothing that was, I, I would say extremely physically hard for me. It was more mental because <clears> you're <throat> dealing with things that you're not familiar with and you're just around something new. Now, kind of going off the weight loss, because that's something that everyone faces. And, you know, I've had times, like I was in Estonia, and I was just like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm losing weight. Like, I need, I need something. So I was kind of trying to ask, like, you know, our trainer, I'm like, do you have protein? Do you have something? Because, you know, protein, you, 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 we're the same thing. Like, you have to bring so many shoes over and things like that. So when you – I feel like that's the tough thing, because you bring some stuff over, but it runs out after the first month, and then you're like, all right, what do I have here? Was there anything that, you know, that you took or, like, anything that you – because I always thought that was, like, the scariest thing. They would just hand you something, and you're like, all right, I guess this is good. Was there anything like that where they, they were just like, here, take this, and you'll, you know, you'll be fine? Yeah, man, they gave me a, a couple of, like, vitamin-type supplements. But really, for me, uh, I know Europe is a little weird when it comes to, like, the things that we use. So, like, I one year I bought some, uh, some GNC, you know, regular protein over – and, you know, they do doping tests and stuff on you. And they, you know, they had to do the whole test and all that, the, the drug test. And they came up and they were saying that, you know, this is because of your protein. So, you know, this is banned from FIBA. You can't use this. And I was like, wow. So it's a lot of stuff, a lot of products that we have in America that they can't use over there. So for me, you know, it was just good old push-ups. And I was always eating jam and peanut butter sandwiches mm-hmm. and just doing that, <laughs> eating a couple of those at night and, you know, a little bit, a little bit more milk, a little bit more carbs, and all that, and you know, but it was, it was good weight though. I was, I was losing really good weight. It was, you know, nothing I would really complain about. So, now kind of going, you, you know, you hit on this a little bit. You know, getting to the grocery store and seeing things that you don't, that you know, trying to read labels. Were you, you know, were you going back and cooking every night, or were you uh, kind of doing it, you know, like finding places to eat, like going to different places, different spots that you were comfortable with and going to get food every night, or were you just going back home and trying to cook it yourself? 
So I was grateful enough. A couple of teams that I played on, um, we had like I'm not going to say chefs, but we had like you know people that I guess you could say chefs, but I don't want to try to sound like I was playing on some high mighty like big team. But it, you know, it was a couple of people that hook you up with that you know like hey, you know, you pay us you know forty dollars you know a week or forty euro a week, we'll cook a couple meals for you. So almost like a meal prep type of program. So that was great. So that helped me out a lot. But then. You know, a lot of the teams, a lot of the restaurants that sponsored our team, they allowed us to eat there for free. So we had, like, probably close to five or six restaurants that we can eat at, that we could pick, you know, pick from every week. So I remember, you know, we had one spot, a coffee shop that sponsored us. They gave us, like, $20, to, you know, towards our meal for breakfast. And then for lunch, it was an Italian restaurant that, you know, I had the best spaghetti and all that. And that night, it was like a pub. So you can go there and get, you know, burgers, fries, or something like that. So it was good. But I started cooking toward the end of my uh, end of my career. So I started enjoying that. So it was kind of fun for me. <laughs> That's awesome. So kind of like, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I think overseas guys, you know, face is, you know, the, 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 and you talked about it, you're like a, you know, a bit of a homebody, but you don't really miss home a lot. Like the, the fact that, you know, being far away, you're by yourself, there's no one really with you. Did that ever weigh on you? I know we talked a little bit about the mental side, but like, did that ever weigh on you? Were you ever like, oh my gosh, like I need human interaction or I'm going to lose my mind? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, uh, I think I, I didn't really start getting homesick until about November, right around Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, going from Thanksgiving to Christmas to the New Year's, uh, that whole time was very tough for me because, a lot of teams I played on, they didn't let us come home uh, because we either had games the next day or they were scared that, you know, you know, guys were going to get out of shape. Not really the Americans, but more the European guys were going to get out of shape. So they didn't let, really let anybody leave. But, you know, it was tough. And then also when I was playing in Macedonia, Serbia, uh, we had four Americans, other Americans on the team, and three of them got sent home. And I was by myself for like four months. So I was cool with the European, other European guys, but, you know, they still weren't, like, my boys or nothing like that. So I was legit by myself. This is before, you know, FaceTime was, you know, really out like that and, you know, anything else. So I was using uh, a thing called Viber, I think it is. Yeah, Viber or something else. I would legit be on the phone with my mom. Uh, I'll be watching this before Netflix should be worked. So I'll be, I had a hard drive with like over like 400 different movies and TV shows on there. So I was just doing that. And then, you know, just watching different games on, on YouTube. But it, it was definitely, it was, it was very, very tough, but I think that brings the best out of you. You know, mm-hmm. me being by myself for a long time, I got a chance to see who I was, who I really was, um, you know, get things figured out. I got a chance to focus on what I want to do and put thought towards, you know, the end of my career. Um, and like I said, we have a basketball academy at camp, so I got a chance to get a lot of that stuff, that work done in, in, during the season, during my downtime. And, you know, I love to read and also write in my journal. So I got a chance to, you know, really tie into that. So, you know, it, was, it, was, it, was, it had its pros and cons, I should say. That's awesome. You know, kind of, kind of talking a little bit about, uh, you know, the, you you played in Greece, you know. Then you kind of were in Cyprus, Macedonia. Obviously, you know, the, Greece was like kind of that first love. But tell us a little bit about like you know, kind of transitioning into Cyprus and transitioning into Macedonia. What was like your thought process as you kind of going through? Was it like something you know you're 
was it a, the same season? Was it something where you're just kind of like, you know what, let's just keep this thing going? I know you said you tore your Achilles. So was that with like kind of a rehab stint? Yeah, so, my, you know, my first year, like I said, I was in Greece, played there for a whole entire season, and I came down on my teammates for the tour of my Achilles. So I was actually out for Kobe tore his Achilles in, in April. I tore mine in May or the beginning of June. So I was, like, really, really confused about that, really hurt by that. And But I got a chance to learn, you know, more about it. So I never really heard about, you know, tearing your Achilles in that whole situation. So mm-hmm. from there, I rehabbed. I was home for like six, seven months, <clears throat> rehab my injury. And then from there, one of my good friends, Dexter Pittman, he was uh, playing for a team in Puerto Rico, and he called me. He's like, hey, man, one of our forwards just got hurt. You know, would you want to come out here and play for the last two months? And I was like, yeah, man, I would love to. So uh, I actually played for a team called Humacao in Puerto Rico, um, and that was great. Played there for two months, uh, met a lot of great people, and I loved the league there. And then that summer, I ended up uh, in August, I ended up leaving to go to Macedonia. And, you know, that was really a good time. I loved it out there. But one of the reasons why I ended up leaving there is because there was a war going on between the Serbians and the Albanians. And um, and they the team just told us it was like, it could get dangerous. So we we're going to try to try to uh, send our send the Americans home. And we're, you know, we're going to keep the season going, but we're going to have to take a, take a L to a lot of things. So I ended up leaving there, and I signed with a Pro A team. Now I think it's now Pro B or Regionalia team, but it was a team called RSB, and I was in Berlin, Germany, and I absolutely loved it there, man. Germany's the best. Got a chance to meet a lot of people there. I say all in all the European countries I've been to, Germany felt like I was at home. You know, a lot of Americans there, a lot of different cultures and diversity. So I really loved it there. Uh, I left, I left Germany, and I believe I signed late to go to Cyprus and Cyprus I loved it there because it was just it's just like Greece oh man it's that's amazing Cypriots you know it's it's the best it's good weather uh, I was living on a resort I found out the resort that I lived on was actually um they call it baby baby Ibiza because they said like during the summer it's like one of the biggest party places but of course when I was out there during the season there was nothing going on <laughs> it, was <laughs> it was almost yeah it was almost like the Jersey Shore in like in, in January so it was it was horrible but uh, I enjoyed it out there and then uh, you know going to Austria I was playing there uh, this is my the last team I played on I loved it Austria is very similar to Germany uh, very organized great people out there uh, the league is a, a nice up and coming league. Um, very, you know, it's kind of like a, a smaller version of the BBL in, uh, mm-hmm. in Germany, but you know, it's, it's well respected. Some good players. It's a lot. It's an older league, though. You you find a lot of guys in their their late thirties playing that league. But yeah. you know, I enjoyed it. You know, they do a lot of good things there, and uh, you know, they have a, a good thing going on. They have a nice little All Star weekend. They do, and they kind of make it real professional. So I enjoyed that. And uh, you know, I got it. One thing I will say, I got a chance to you know bounce around a little bit you know, from, mm-hmm. from different countries and embrace different cultures. Now, kind of talking about that culture, you, you know, what do you think, uh, you know, you played in a lot of places. What was your, what was the place you said Germany felt most like home, but what was the place, and you're still going back to Greece, what was the place that you most, almost embraced the most right now? Probably embraced the most right now. I should say, I would probably say Austria. Um I think Austria is 
really, really big for me. And uh, not mm-hmm. even just about the things that happen on the court, you know, off the court. And it was very, very amazing. I, you know, I met a lot of great people out there. Um, actually, uh, was the first place that um, I actually uh, flew my girlfriend out there. So it was the first time she got a chance to see me play out the country. And, uh, you know, she loved it. It was her first time being there. So, you know, we, we talk about Austria all the time. You know, we say, you know, hopefully one day we get married, we're going to go back there and, you know, wow, all awesome. that. So, you know, it's a lot of a lot of history behind that, but I still have a lot of friends. I still talk to a lot of guys out there and my my ex coaches and stuff. So, I would probably say Austria is is very that's nice in, here during the summer. That's incredible. Uh, it's it's an incredible story, and especially yours. You know, kind of talking a little bit about uh, you know, your brother Kyle is you know still playing right now still going uh have you talked to him i know you guys both are involved with uh with your camps and with your you know your your academy and uh, your foundation uh you know how much is he just going to keep what is like his kind of like end point what does he see uh you know kind of his career kind of being like all right is he going to keep playing while he can or is he just gonna is there like a time limit where he's like all right I, i think i'm heading back home i think right now uh he has the mindset where you know he's going to keep keep going until the wheels fall off. Um, but he's you know, he's having such a great career. He has a chance to break a lot of records. I believe if he wins one more championship, he's going to have the most champion mo- most Euroleague championships as an American. Um, so I think he's still going to try to chase that. But then, you know, he's doing a lot of great things off the court too. Uh, he he works with uh, the big foundation out there in Europe called uh, One Team one team going they work with like a lot of um kids uh special special need kids and the special olympics out there and then uh he's also the Euroleague just started there like a players association and he's the vice president of the players association and uh gives him a chance to you know still do some things too but i i, I think he probably has close to another like five years to go probably That's four awesome. to five years yeah so i you hope know. he can uh he can, he can keep it going even if it's not in europe i think you know, you may try to do the China thing, go there for six mm-hmm. months, make some money, and then, you know, keep it moving. That's awesome. How often are you able to – have you been over there, you know, recently to go to go see him? Are you able to, to kind of get out and, and check him out out there? Yeah, I was actually out there for uh, Christmas and New Year's, so I got a chance to see him play uh, against uh, uh, Pantanagos in, in Greece. I got a chance to go to a couple other games and – got a chance to bring in the holidays when I'm, I really feel bad for him. I remember I was telling you that this is my first Thanksgiving in a while, but for uh-huh. him, he, he hasn't, he hasn't been, he hasn't had a Thanksgiving in almost 11 years. Jeez. And that's what, you know, guys, they talk about playing in Europe and, you know, they want to play overseas, but they don't understand like the sacrifice and certain other things that happen. You know, it's a lot of glitz and glamours, but people don't understand that it takes a lot of sacrifice. You know, we had times where, you know, just to be honest on air, you know, we had times where, you know, we may have lost some family members and grandparents and stuff like that. And it was like a team would tell us like, Hey, you know, we're sorry for your loss, but if you fly home, we're going to find you. So you know, mm-hmm. we miss you know, funerals and all types of stuff, but you know, it's a sacrifice that's, you, you know, something that you have to do if that's your dream. So you know, it was very tough, but I try to get out to see him, you know, at least once or twice a year, and especially now that I'm done playing. That's that's an incredible story, and that's something that you, that people don't really understand that side. That you you have an obligation to that team, and it's not a 
I mean, we're not in the NBA where it's, you know, a flight, flight home might be like a two hour flight. You'll be back the next day. You're talking, I mean, an international flight home. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. So I think that's something that, you know, I think a lot of overseas players have experienced, you know, especially the Christmas and like the the, the Thanksgiving Christmas holidays. Those are tough because, you know, I've spent them overseas and there's, there's some kind of psychological thing, even maybe it's American culture that's kind of bedded that into our heads that, uh, you know, there's, there's just like, you don't want to be alone for those. I think that's like the bit, there's like Christmas songs, like alone for that. You're like, Jesus, it's depressing. Well, I'm sitting there alone, like, <laughs> like Christmas Carol talking about being alone. I'm like, all right, I'm, I need to do something to keep my mind occupied. But that's like yeah, an incredible definitely. kind of take right there. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. I, I spent a lot of Thanksgiving that, uh, uh, at McDonald's and uh, Pizza Hut in Europe, so thank God for that. You know that that was the closest thing to home. <laughs> that was the closest thing to home that I had. So you know, right, so uh, kind of like wrapping up because I want to. There's like you know, ever did you ever have like a weird you know like stories with like weird encounters with fans uh, where you're just like walking through and you see someone and like anything like any strange encounters with fans where like a fan would come up and maybe they're a little too familiar or they're a little too, you know, this, or they'll, you know, obviously getting spit on was probably <laughs> the top to the list. Yeah. But like any interactions with like fans of yours, like fans of your team that you, you know, you ever had that were like, you know, that's an interesting story. <laughs> uh, I would say on, on two sides of it, I remember, you know, playing, uh, and I would say out when I was playing in Macedonia, Serbia, that you know, there are a lot of Albanians out there, and a couple, you know, a couple other cultures, and a lot of the kids out there, they would be, you know, you know, begging for money, and they weren't eating, and they were, you know, it's kind of low privilege out there. And um, I know I would like get out of practice sometimes, and fans would like meet, like surround my car, and it was like a lot of younger kids that they would surround my car, and I really didn't know what they were saying, but they were, you know, kind of asking for money and you know, ask for pictures and all that type of stuff. But, you know, I became, you know, friends with a lot of them. And I, I think there were a lot of the kids, like, between, like, the ages of, like, probably 10 and 15. So I was there by myself. So and, and food was so cheap out there that, you know, I, I would invite them to come eat with me. <laughs> and I was like, hey, you know, you know, follow me and what do you guys want? And these are kids that were really weren't eating like that, that were looking upon on that, you know, didn't have the same opportunities that I had. So I was like, you know, at least I could be a helping hand for them. But I would say – and that situation, I was glad I was able to help them out and, you know, do something that, that I not, never would have thought I was going to be able to do. But on the other side of it, too, I remember leaving Greece, and I'm not trying to make it seem like I was a, you know, a big-time player there, but I did have a, a huge following because, you know, my brother played there, too. And, you know, we, you know, we, we became fan favorites out there. And I remember when I got hurt and I was in the, the hospital, and I remember I woke up from my surgery, there are people in the hospital taking pictures of me. And, like, I'm in a cast, and people are taking pictures of me in the bed, and, like, they're in the newspaper and stuff the next day. And it was outrageous. And then I remember <laughs> leaving to go home, to go back to the airport, and I'm and they're pushing me in a wheelchair. And people are really, like, handing me flowers and crying and saying, you know, hope, you know, I'm sorry I got hurt and, you know, it was the best for me and all that. So I really felt that love and it was something that was very important to me. I remember being on the plane going back and I was just like, wow, like I really, 
I really like felt that type of love and, and support there. So it was really good. That's great. Uh, you know, Tyler, I really appreciate you coming on today, uh, talking a little basketball. This is awesome. Uh, you know, your experiences are, you know, it's, it's like, I, I love talking, talking to everyone because like everyone's experience is, is similar, but it's, it's unique in its own way. You have your own, you know, different spin. Everyone has their own like different thing that the crazy shit that happened over there, but we all kind of were like are all part of the same fraternity. And that's like a, such a cool thing. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories today. No, I really appreciate it, man. You know, now that I'm back in the area, if there's anything I can do to help out, man, just, you know, I'm one phone call away. You know, I'm always around for you, man. Absolutely. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And we'll, yeah, I'll hit you up soon. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, right, thank we'll you guys for you too. Thank you guys for co- uh, joining us tonight, listening in. Uh, check us out on the uh, the Matchup Zone uh, on iTunes. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and uh, you know, type it in MU Zone Podcast, uh, Matchup Zone on Instagram, and uh, check us out. While listening to a few shows, we got a lot of uh, good guys coming up, good guests. We'll have you know. Seth coming back. We'll have Tyler coming back and, you know, maybe joining us in the studio and we can have like a few people interviewing. So that would be cool. But uh, appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, have a great week. Hey, let me kick it to you right quick, man. Not on some gangster shit, man. On some real shit. Anybody that been through the same thing, I'm sure you feel the same way. Big feel. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.